This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat Sleep Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is Carl Schweitzer. How you doing, Carl? Pretty good. Yourself? I'm not doing bad. Uh, we're just getting back into podcasting mode and uh, glad to have you on board. We're going to talk about some IoT today, something that's uh, near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to talking about it. And uh, currently you're working with Microsoft and you also have a podcast called the MS Dev Show. Why don't you give, a, give us a rundown of what you do at work and tell us a little bit about your podcast. Sure. Um, so I'm a software engineer at Microsoft and uh, what I do is I work with global ISVs and help uh, accelerate the development of their uh, features and uh, products. So it's really cool working with companies that have a lot of impact. And uh, in particular, my team focuses in manufacturing spaces. So as you can imagine, there's a tad bit of IoT going on there. And like you also mentioned, I'm uh, one of the two hosts for the MS Dev Show. It's a weekly podcast where we uh, focus on Microsoft developers. So anything that uh, a developer who uses any kind of Microsoft product in any way, shape, or form. You don't have to be uh, an Azure cloud developer um, or, you know, you know, somebody who might you, you think is traditionally just stuck all in Microsoft technology. If you're just using VS Code or you're an IS de- iOS developer that's using Azure backend, uh, I consider you to be a Microsoft developer too. So uh, c- come check it out, msdevshow.com. Yeah, uh, I listen to the show actually pretty frequently, and you guys have uh, some amazing guests on there. It's a great show. I suggest people check it out. Um, Now, Carl, I've talked about IoT with folks here and there, and it seems like that space is always moving. So why don't we get a little rundown of what exactly IoT is Again, because it changes so frequently, this type of technology updated is, you know, is there new stuff coming into the space? You know, what what should we be looking out for when we talk about IoT? Let's just level set a little bit. And, you know, I'm going to keep this focused towards the the Microsoft thinking uh, since that's what I've been doing day in, day out. But IoT is kind of like any time where you have any kind of device that's not what you would call a computer that has internet access communicating with some sort of cloud, I would say that you're in the internet of things territory, at least in that ballpark. Uh, So you could, uh, some obvious things are like uh, smart thermostats that we have nowadays. Uh, You might be uh, doing things that are enabling automation in your homes. Um, Those are some of the kind of uh, consumer focused things. But if you look at like manufacturing facilities. A lot of people can imagine that there's these production lines that are doing things and they're made of multiple different machines. Well, these have always traditionally been hooked up to like a local network and maybe there's uh, some sort of control system coordinating it locally. But over the last several years, uh, companies have been trying to get this uh, operationalized up in the cloud. And as we've been doing this, those things that were... uh, we were doing locally have become internet of things. And really those same paradigms that they were used to working with are very similar to 
how the cloud portion of it was. Um, looking forward, the things that's really changed in the last year is everybody started talking about edge and what is IoT edge. And really what, the, what that is, is as we've looked at the workloads that we do with the cloud, um, there's some things that are obviously work really well. We want to get our data off of our device. Uh, we want to get that in the cloud. Um, that works well. We want to see things that work across uh, some, maybe some trends that are working across multiple devices. That's another really cool thing that we can do with the cloud. As well as um, we want to start doing analytics on that. We got a lot more processing power. We got a lot more storage. Your, your system can expand in any of those over the course of time. But what you don't get is sometimes you need to have like a really tight uh, time restriction on when an event happens and you need to respond to it. So if you're trying to control machinery or respond to an event that happens, you might not have time that the internet latency has to get your data up to the cloud processed and responding to. So what has happened is this isn't just Microsoft, all sorts of companies have been trying to figure out, well, how do we come across and, and solve those scenarios? Well, by actually moving those workloads back from the cloud to the device again has been the way that we're solving that. And so uh, Microsoft has a technology called IoT Edge that uh, helps solve that. We can get logic, cloud logic, as well as custom logic running on the devices. And then there's also a few other things. Um, we might need to do protocol translation. Um, in uh, the manufacturing industry, there's a lot of different standards on how to communicate with each other. And when we talk about communicating with the cloud, those uh, standards are different. So we call that protocol translation. Uh, just like you'd have like a translator to uh, you know, change what you're saying in English to somebody speaking Spanish. If, um, you don't have that. That's what you can do uh, in addition with edge technology. And you can help kind of keep your data private. Uh, there's a few other uh, capabilities you get with the edge, but at the high level concept, you know, we need to solve some of these problems that the cloud can't solve just because it's far away from the actual devices. Yeah, this um, data protocol stuff sounds very interesting to me because I've come from a manufacturing background and I can imagine, you know, every device manufacturer that's out there, they have these machines with some kind of uh, internet connectivity on it. And, you know, all the different companies, they, in manufacturing, they don't tend to work well together on standards. You know, each one of them has their own way to collect data, communicate the data, storage formats, all that fun stuff. So yeah, that, that sounds like a pretty with, critical uh, piece you know, of that today. Like you said that, uh, you know, there's OPC and Modbus and, and all of that. There's hundreds of variants of each of those just because each company wants to do their own unique thing on top of that. But uh, when you communicate for say with uh, over an IOT hub, um, now you're really limited. You speak MQTT, um, AMQP and over WebSockets. We need something to translate from those uh, industrial protocols into a web protocol. So what type of tooling does the IoT Edge provide to, to help with that situation? So there's, what does that um, look like as a developer? A, a bunch of modules out there for IoT Edge that handle all of those for you. So if, if you're uh, trying to, say, interop with OPC UA or a, a device that speaks another protocol, there's a 
quite a few modules out there out on GitHub where you can kind of download that code and wrap that up uh, and deploy it as a module. Uh, we'll get into what that is. I think in a little bit, it's a little quick to get into what a module is. Um, but at the end of the day, what we're looking at is, you know, like how, how do we do a lot of this on the device instead of up in the cloud? I think that's the, the number one thing that we're looking at when we're, we're architecting uh, for IoT Edge. So does that mean we're using uh, more, you know, not non-computer type, you know, IoT devices and doing, uh, what, what type of work are we doing um, outside of the cloud that you're talking about? What, what exactly would that be? So, um, There's custom logic that you might need to do to do a bunch of different things. So I look at it like um, we we might be having these sensors or an array of sensors that would be very costly to send lots of messaging up. What we can do is we can aggregate those values. Now, obviously, Microsoft, uh, you know, we don't know your sensors, your your whatever. Uh, we provide a way for you to write your own code to do that aggregation and uh, maybe only send the result of the data up. Um, some of the other things that we're doing with Edge is we're allowing you to take your Azure services that have been pre-configured for Azure Stream Analytics, Azure Functions, and machine learning and uh, containerize those and have those run on the Edge. Now, the one little caveat here is Edge runs across a variety of, of device types. Um, we classify uh, IoT Edge or IoT devices um, kind of like in on a, on a range of low capability to high capability. So if we look at it, you a lot of people are familiar with what a Raspberry Pi is. There's That's part of a tier called what we call an interactive tier. And that's like the middle of those five kinds of um, devices. Um, above that, you can get all the way up to like a gateway tier. So if you're going to be aggregating uh, data from a lot of different sensors, and instead of the sensors talking directly to the cloud, they'll talk to a gateway. And then the gateway will handle that communication to the cloud. And generally, those gateways can be uh, more powerful than your average PC. So you might have a lot of storage, a lot of processing power. But once again, um, we're looking to solve problems like um, what happens when there is no internet connection to the cloud. Uh, we might have to start storing uh, these messages. And when we get that internet capability back, we forward them on. Uh, that's a very common scenario that we see, um, um, as well as, um, like, I, like I mentioned before, uh, taking those modules uh, from the cloud and when they do get updated, uh, they can be automatically redeployed with the changes to them. So if you update the, the logic in your Azure function, uh, when those changes get made, uh, those can get redeployed on the fly. So we kind of have a concept of we can have logic running in the cloud and we can also containerize some of that stuff and push it down directly yes. on the device and run it locally there in case connectivity gets kind of knocked offline or something for the moment. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of want to get to what is the IoT edge. And because, you know, a lot of people look at 
Microsoft and a lot of things that it's done in the past. That's like, uh, you know, we may have made an operating system in the past that has all these functionalities. But what we know is when we go into the IoT space, there's a lot of different kinds of hardware and there's a lot of different kinds of scenarios that people want to run in. And we don't want to get in the way of any of that. So instead of creating an operating system, we've created a runtime that sits on top of an operating system. So you can bring, uh, it could be a, a generic Raspberry Pi device, or it could be your, your own custom uh, version of like Yocto Linux um, or something like that. And Azure IoT runtime uh, sits on top of that. And it does a few different things. So we mentioned before modules and containerization. If you're familiar with uh, running Docker at all, your modules are just Docker containers that um, the runtime knows how to uh, access. You'll keep these in some sort of uh, container registry. It could be Docker Hub. It could be Azure Container Registry. It could be your own third-party hosted one. They could be public, private. You could lock these down behind um, any kind of authentication scheme that you need to. And the runtime, uh, when it's configured properly, will see what uh, containers that you have and which ones it should deploy. And it'll pull those down and deploy them locally. The other thing that it does is it provides a communication channel between those modules. So what you will want to do is you might have um, a module that is reading your sensor values. So it might be looking at all the different sensors that are coming in. Uh, you might have another module that sits downstream that you'll communicate to that'll do some prep work to do some machine learning. So you might want to massage the data a little bit and then hand it to a machine learning module, which will then determine if your uh, production facility is in, is in a good state or a bad state. And if it's in a good state, you might just say, hey, everything's fine. You don't have to pass all of that data because a lot of times when we feed data into machine learning, that's a lot of data to have. And it might be expensive. You could be in an area that has a, uh, in a, it's in a remote place. You could be like working one of those oil fields or something. If you're communicating over satellite or cell phone, that's going to be expensive to get that data up. But instead, we can just report the, um, the result of that. If something's bad, we can take action on it right away. The machine learning algorithm can pass that off to another module, which will take action locally to maybe shut down the equipment or to send off a notification to somebody. Yeah, there, I've done a lot of studying on machine learning. And one thing that's really interesting about this scenario is it takes a lot of horsepower to create the machine learning models. But once those models are created, you don't need that kind of horsepower anymore. So some of the less um, less heavy pieces of hardware, like these IoT devices, um, like you said, some of them can be more powerful than your computer, but often you, know, you have these simpler machines that uh, don't have as much memory and storage and processing power. They can still run these machine learning algorithms yeah. efficiently. It's the training that, that takes a lot of, a lot of guts a to lot get uh, up and running. Is- you, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, when you have your machine learning uh, trained and running on one of these devices, it's how much memory does it take up? 
um, because these can be quite um, extensive in their memory footprint. And if you're on a, a Raspberry Pi, that means that you're sitting like your module uh, needs to fit within three gigs. And that's actually a pretty good size. But for machine learning, that could be pretty small. So you got to be aware of what the limitations of your hardware are when you are working with some of these bigger uh, workloads. So how do we get started with some of these technologies? For example, if I was interested in creating a module, um, what, what does so, that look like to a developer? What's really cool is uh, now IoT Edge, uh, as we're recording this, came out last week. Uh, you can uh, create, uh, it doesn't have to be .NET. I'm a .NET person. Um, but you can go into VS Code, uh, create a new project. Um, you can do .NET, C, or C Sharp, C++, Java, Python, and Node. So you have a lot of technology options. But it is from a C Sharp world, a .NET world, it looks a lot like a console application. Uh, you just import the device client for the IoT Hub SDK, and if you're um, when you're working with devices, um, which is very similar to how the IoT Hub works. But in addition, when you want to create a module, um, there's a new uh, class called the module client, and the module client is once again, really similar to what all the capabilities of a device client are. So for people who have worked with uh, IoT Hub using C Sharp or one of the other SDKs, you could do things like you could send a message. Um, you could have a work with a digital twin, which is a way for you to have state of your application both on your device and in the cloud. Um, there's a module equivalent of that as well. So you can have module um, twin that has your state of your module uh, being synchronized up with the cloud too. So you can interact with those. Your module can send its own messages. Your module can uh, route messages to other modules. And um, these are the kinds of things that you can do as well as put your own custom code in there. Now, I think the one other thing that I, I, I wanna add on top of everything else is now that we're sitting in a world where we're doing images and Docker and stuff like that, we don't have to use the SDK's built-in message routing system, which, if you look at it, looks a lot like interacting with an IoT hub, message-based. But if you have um, already some existing code that might be like a REST API, you can, using the same uh, Docker uh, capabilities for networking, you can open up ports and communicate directly uh, between two modules via REST as well. So if you already have some existing code that does that, you don't have to modify your code just to work with this. So this is one of the cool things, like if you already have a web API that's built out to perform this other service, you don't have to totally rewrite your code to this other communication paradigm just to get working. And what that means is it's a lot quicker for you to get your existing code base running on the edge if it's doing something that makes sense for an edge module to do. Nice. So that that kind of uh, shortens the learning curve a little bit for folks, so they you know don't have to learn these other uh, message protocols and stuff. You're you're using familiar technologies uh, that you would if you're you know and, working and on the web. Not just with messaging, but like it like we had talked about with it being Docker based itself. That's another thing that people assume is a web technology, 
which I think it was really cool because in the past I'd wanted to learn more about Docker, but at the end of the day, I'm not a web guy. Um, I didn't have a reason to learn that. Uh, when this came around, I, I was able to all of a sudden have tons of documentation on how to use Docker because people have been using it in the web for years. So this is, this is one of those things that we sat down and looked, what's the best of all the available open source technologies and how can we leverage them to make this product that's going to make people's lives easy? Yeah. I, you know, people are really uh, using a lot of open source things within their stacks these days. So it's nice to see that, you know, Microsoft's embracing Docker in this situation and uh, allowing that to work on an IOT level. Uh, that's, that's a real game changer in the terms of the IOT space. Uh, that's, that's something that is fairly recent. If at least I haven't heard of that being done, um, outside of, you know, the last couple of years itself is, uh, open source on GitHub now. Uh, so this is technically V2 of the edge. Um, and, um, when we went GA, um, the code was put out there on GitHub as well. So if you look on the Azure GitHub account and search for IOT edge, uh, you'll find that there as well. So that, that kind of leans towards, you know, uh, cross-platform ability and, and that type of thing as well. So how does that affect, you know, cross-platform yeah, so and security and stuff I, like that? I mentioned that. earlier that, you know, you can use this on like Raspbian Linux with a Raspberry Pi, or if you have like a, your own custom thing, it works with like Yocto Linux. Um, you know, I don't know the, the edges of compatibility with all the different Linuxes, but uh, with all the major ones that IoT... Uh, vendors are currently using. Um, it works with all those ma major ones. And it also runs on top of Windows 10 IoT Core as well. So if you do want to run Windows containers on uh, a Windows-based operating system, that will also work. So we we could move a little bit more, quote, Microsoft-y on this and use those other technologies, or we could uh, stay in Linux. And what's nice is if you use .NET Core, um, you could be using um, the same code that you wrote for a, a Windows instance, but in now uh, using it in a Linux Docker image uh, because of the cross-platform cross capabilities of .NET Core. Nice. I'm a big fan of .NET Core. Uh, getting, getting to the point where you can write business logic and put it in a DLL and be able to ship it across you know, IOT and Linux and, you know, the web and maybe use it on Xamarin. Uh, some pretty powerful stuff to have your, your code that portable. Yeah. So, but you also, I only half answered your question. So you also asked about security. And um, this is one that I've been really familiar with for years because uh, anytime you talk about IOT um, with somebody who's not really familiar with it themselves, the first thing they ask is, how is this secure? Uh, so when we look at IoT Edge, there's security of the device and security of the cloud services. Uh, for the device, there's a, a lot of things going on. If, if you're working with hardware that supports a TPN and secure modules, um, the Edge knows how to work with that and um, use that hardware attestation to secure itself further. Um, data is whenever you're using the APIs uh, to store data um, at rest. It's always in, in um, encrypted. And uh, 
when we pass it on to the cloud services, the cloud services have always been in, encrypted by default as well. And if you are more uh, interested in the security side of this, because we're going to stay pretty high level for this talk, you can go to aka.ms slash edge security to learn about how um, the security of this has been baked in at every different level across the way. And uh, we talked about cross-platform, but we, we haven't really talked about uh, other types of hardware. So we talked a little bit about Raspberry Pi. What other types of, of hardware do you think you, you might see in the IoT Edge environment? Uh, and is there, there anything custom from Microsoft that you're working with? All right. So, so this, like we mentioned, runs across a bunch of, of you know, a spectrum and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's always fun as a developer, I think, to push the edges on like how constrained can we run on? And, and there is a tier, like if we get too far below the Raspberry Pi, um, you start limiting what you can do. Like you're not going to run full work, uh, machine uh, learning workloads on, on those more constrained devices, but you can still work with these different, um, modules to provide maybe that protocol translation, your own custom logic for, for batching or, 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 or doing stuff like that. And Microsoft has recently released um, or announced its release or future uh, hardware coming out called Azure Sphere. And this is a, a hardware chip uh, micro microcontroller unit that has been designed from the ground up with security in mind and IOT workloads in mind. Um, it also comes with its own Azure, uh, Linux operating system that's had all of those same philosophies. So if you want to get as constricted as you really need to be, um, Azure Sphere is a microcontroller unit that you can use to talk with Azure cloud services as well. And, um, I'm not really sure about the, the specs, but it gets pretty pretty constricted on there. So um, if you're interested in that, um, Azure Sphere is another interesting piece to the IoT puzzle that there is. Um, but yeah, I think we may have discussed this briefly at Build uh, when we were at Build together, but uh, one of the, the Azure IoT Edge devices that is, I don't know, if, I don't think it's released, but it was announced at Build was the uh, Azure Connect sensor. Oh, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and uh, what that's doing is it's replacing some of the hardware of the original like um, Xbox-style Connect with Azure services. So you can give it your uh, images or video and have it um, feed back to you the analytics that the Connect would have given you. So that's uh, also another really interesting um, kind of, I, it sits on the edge of what IOT is, uh, when we start blending, you know, local hardware with limited capacity with infinite cloud computing, and maybe a little bit of internet leg to it. Um, if we, if we can figure out what constraints we need to optimize for, it's really interesting. Some of the things that we can do, uh, because back in the day, you could only do that kind of processing immediately with a lot of expensive hardware. And now we can really use a lot more commodity hardware and backfill that with Azure services. 
Yeah, and it's still very early on in uh, this IoT Edge space. Uh, like you said, this is what version is two the, that you're working with right now? Two, but this is the first time we've really been able to blend um, custom code, Azure services, um, and the flexibility to kind of switch between them and manage them in a secure way. Uh, previously in, in version one, it was very limited on what you could do. And it was really more for like a gateway style of um, of operating. So you would really have your IoT devices talk to a gateway and the gateway talk to your cloud. Uh, now we can really mix and mash that up. You know, your, your devices could hook up directly to the cloud, but they could also talk to a gateway. And it really is what, what makes more sense for your needs and your architectures. Yeah, and it, I mean, it looks very developer friendly too. Um, it looks like we're able to use, you know, our tools of choice, whether it's Visual Studio Code or Visual Studio. And then when we're going to deploy, you know, these things, uh, we we can do it with um, with the Azure portal. And uh, the Azure portal is a very visual tool to, to get in there and, and look at analytics and stuff like and that. And in addition, you can also use your traditional CI/CD processes like VSTS. Uh, to automate that. So when you check in changes to a module, uh, those could be uh, built using your uh, CI CD pipelines deployed to the various re container registry where they need to be. Have your uh, IoT hub be made aware of these changes and now your edge devices are pulling down uh, the new module binaries as they need to. That was very cool stuff. Uh, it looks like it's all very command line friendly. Uh, so developers aren't locked into, you know, some type of tooling. They don't have to necessarily go to the, to the Azure portal if they don't want to. And uh, like you said, you can use your CI CD tools. It was very interesting stuff. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And, you know, this is still a, a very new technology. And as we go forward, there's a lot of plans to make the developer story uh, and developer tooling a lot more friendly so we can be as productive as possible. Yeah, and like we said, it, it's early on, so I can't wait to see uh, what cool things people start making with this. Um, I would imagine a lot of this is being done in the big industry sector right now. So there, there's probably developers out there listening that might be dealing with some of this, but I don't think we've quite seen the impact as consumers uh, as to what, you know, what this stuff is capable of. I'm sure there'll be some really nice case studies coming up here in the next year, like at yeah, Build or something. there's definitely a lot going on. And, you know, one of the things I think as a consumer that's really neat about this is as a consumer, you don't always see all the cool things that are going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, I have a few different smart thermostats in my home and me being as super techie and connected as I am, I, I know some of the internals of them. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of just don't care. They're there and they work and they're making my life a lot better than before I had them. So as these are coming out and they move, you know, from the industrial areas into the consumer ones, you know, it's just some of the stuff that we get for free and technology just seems to be on that ever expanding march. So this is one of those things that I think is, you know, giving us more opportunity for uh, more advancement um, a little bit more quickly than we would have had without it. 
Absolutely. Uh, Carl, I think we're about running, running low on time. So I want to thank you again for making time to be on the show. Um, again, uh, make sure you check out Carl's podcast. Carl, you want to um, kind of give a brief overview of your show and, and yes, give a I'm shout out to the URL again? MS Dev Show, and you can find that at msdevshow.com. Uh, that's where myself and my co-host, Jason Young, uh, talk about a variety of uh, Microsoft uh, topics. Uh, we've recently talked about uh, stuff like what's going on in the future of .NET to uh, Microsoft Teams and how you can interact with that, as well as um, you know other services like VSTS and Azure and and mobile and Xamarin and stuff like that. So we really just try to cover it all. And uh, again, it's a great show. I listen myself. So I recommend everybody check that out. And uh, Carl, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. All right, Carl. Thanks again for being part of the show. Uh, hopefully everybody can check out IoT Edge if that's something that they're interested in. And uh, we'll see you again soon.